You're listening to another great show from the Nod Network. Find more great content at nerdod.com. This is Heroes Needed, the Overwatch Players Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Dave. And I'm Richard. And we're back here with episode 5. We've got a few things to talk about today, mm-hmm. including uh, our first impressions of Wrecking Ball, now that yeah. he's been out on the PTR for a little bit of time. Uh, the talk about uh, the Horizon Lunar Colony rework and where yep. that's up to, when we think that's going to happen. If it's not, well, if it's, if it's already happened by the time you hear this podcast, just remember that we're recording <laughs> in advance and forgive us. Um, we're talking about the Overwatch World Cup, which is coming up very soon, and we're going to yep. see how the nations that we've seen represented so well in the league so far, how they're going to play out uh, in their uh, national teams instead, which is going to be quite exciting. And then we're going to cover a couple terms uh, that you're going to hear in game, which on their own sound a bit strange, but yeah. definitely have real purpose, I <laughs> promise. Once again, coffee donut shop, British summertime, lots of ice, lots of noise in the background. I will try and reduce it in fantastic post-production, but be aware of hearing noise. That's where we are, out amongst the people. <laughs> so, anyway, so let's jump straight into it. Let's talk about Wrecking Ball, because we talked last time about how it's one of the weirder heroes we've seen for a yeah. long time. And also, it's not long since we had a new hero anyway, so people perhaps haven't quite got used to Brigitte yet, and now we've already got a new hero to play, yeah. someone else to try. But I do know that you've had a little bit of time playing him on the PTR, so I'd be interested to know how you feel about him and where you think the sort of strengths and weaknesses lie so far. Yeah. I am so incredibly excited about Wrecking Ball. Um, I cannot stop calling him Hammond, because that's <laughs> what everybody knew the, the hamster himself was being as Hammond, as this, yep. this kind of teased hero for a while. I love the way that they teased this hero and kind of kept everybody guessing until the last minute. And then you can tell from the reaction that we've seen. Just the first thing people do is often show a screenshot or a, uh, the origin story video and then just burst out laughing because it's so good. It's Overwatch at its weirdest and its finest. Yep. And, you know, that's really how he plays. He plays in this incredibly new, uh, I don't want to say weird because um, that can sound derogatory, but this kind of this very different playstyle. He is a mech. He is a hero that can roll around and be a bit more mobile, but mobile in a very different way. You know, he's not running, he's not boosting and sprinting like Lucio, he's not flying into the air like Diva or Farah. He's rolling around in a giant mech hamster wheel ball, and it is just fantastic. Um, a hero that has a grappling hook and is one of the greatest memes, thanks to the Miley Cyrus song Wrecking Ball. Oh, yeah. It is, it is so good, and it is so Overwatch. Um, I mean, that, that was my first reaction, was to open Overwatch, make sure the PTR was up to date and had the patch downloaded, and then immediately switch to the Overwatch memes subreddit to get those those dankest of <laughs> memes. It was so perfect. Um, but no, playing him in PTR, uh, the PTR is a weird and wonderful and wild place, exhibited by the fact that when you go in, you try and find a regular game, and I can remember thinking, huh, there aren't that many like regular games where I can play Hammond, what's going on? And then you open up the game browser, and that's because you see 20 games with some variation of Spider-Man in the title, Nice, because of Hammond's grappling hook. Um, one thing that a lot of people want to test, and I wanted to play, was how does that grappling hook control? So a lot of the games that I found on the PTR at the minute are just infinite grappling hook games, 
And honestly, Hammond's going to be a great resource for exploring the map. I was able to, on a bunch of maps like Lijiang Tower, get onto the tower and get onto the ship and lots of other areas that I've never seen before just by grapple hooking around. That grapple hook is going to be one of the most unique elements of this hero. But honestly, the playstyle and finding out those kind of creative combos that people are going to make with him and the, the style of play he has, it has me really, really excited. Yeah. I want to. I want to deviate for a second and talk about the, the map design while you mentioned that because mm. I, I've, I've seen uh, the video of Richard here grappling around Lijiang Tower and it is, it's something to behold. It's very, very cool. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll share it on the Twitter actually so you can see. Yeah. Um, but it really is like, I think it's the kind of, the detail that goes into those maps is one that we don't always talk about and we don't always give it the, the respect it deserves. I mean, when you go to any of these maps, we've seen it in the kind of uh, flyover view at the beginning of Overwatch League games, yeah. especially. The detail in the maps doesn't end at the playable area. No. You know, there is, there is map beyond what you actually see in the game. Yeah. And the little details in the map itself, you know, in the design of the map, in, in, in things within the game world, and you know, seeing the maps like Lijiang Tower and seeing just how expansive they are, yeah. but the area that you play is quite small. And that level of detail, there was something that you mentioned to me about the character design yeah. on Wrecking Ball. And the idea that when you trigger his ultimate ability, there's a button on the console in his mech yeah. that he has to press to trigger the ultimate. That is not a feature that they need to put in this no. game. That is someone had the idea, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, yeah. and they went for it. And that, combined with the level of detail in that map outside of your play area, those are the kind of things that I think don't get the kind of plaudits that they, they deserve, because it's an amazing work. Definitely, amazing. and it, it testifies to the fact that the, these people working on this game and the people creating this game at Blizzard really, really do care about this stuff. They want it to be an amazing experience. They want these heroes to be as cool as we know them to be. And things like Inside Hammond's Mech, the, a, the little button that pops out the console, but also the fact that the controls he's using aren't kind of a quote-unquote standard mech controls. They're not the two joysticks that D.Va has. She's a professional gamer. She likes keyboards and mice. I'm guessing she likes kind of joysticks and control sticks as a way to, to fly that mech. Whereas Hammond, he has this kind of ball that spins around and rotates, which is just the perfect kind of controller for, for wrecking ball, really. Yeah. And that button popping out is a small detail. I saw it on the, on the regular Overwatch Reddit, and it is just a wonderful attention to detail to have in there. Wrecking Ball's playstyle is incredibly fun. Uh, you know, you, you start off in this kind of ball form, ready to roll and ready to get to where you're going to go. You are constantly looking for points to grapple onto and swing around to knock into somebody. But one of the things I've really enjoyed doing is either swinging or falling off a high area, which then allows you to use this other ability has, which slams into the ground and does damage and knocks people back. And then the quick way that you can jump from being in this kind of rolling ball form to immediately firing, firing your turrets. And the turrets, you know, they, they don't do a huge amount of damage, but they fire for a really long time. They're not the kind of shotgun scatter turrets that we're used to seeing with a D.Va kind of, kind of tank. They are proper machine gun turrets, and they fire for quite a long while. And if you get into the right bit, you, you, know, you drop down onto somebody or a group of enemies, you slam into that kind, of, uh, that, that kind of space there, you slam down into the ground and then start firing, you can do quite a lot of damage there. And this is the thing. I think this is what we were talking about, the idea of, of balance. Yeah. Because you've got a hero now, you've got these incredible abilities, you've got the ability for the grappling hooks, you've got the, uh, a video I saw from another player who was on one of the central points on uh, Nepal yeah. and was grappled onto the center of, of the point <laughs> and was spinning around the point, just killing any opponent that got on that point. Amazing. It's just, it, that's wild, and that implies that that's a, a significant amount of damage yeah. that hero can, can deliver. 
And so now that you've had a chance to actually play the character and see what that kind of feels, yeah. do you think there's a, a, an imbalance when it comes to how powerful he is, or do you think that there are certain limitations that balance that out? As we alluded to last time, I think the balancing aspect right now is that people still don't know how to play him. We're only talking about a few days of him actually being playable. People aren't comfortable playing him yet, necessarily, even if they think they are. They haven't quite figured that out. I think as we see more on the PTR, maybe a few nerfs coming here or there, um, I think that's when we'll start to see it balance out. For me, no, I'm, I'm not worried. I don't think he's particularly overpowered. But I can maybe see a few things to do with kind of drop off on damage at range from his turrets. Uh, but smarter people than I will be will be thinking of those balance tweaks. I think it raises an interesting point as well. We covered it in the last episode, that idea about learning how to play a yeah. hero. I think that there are still games we'll go into where people ne won't necessarily play Brigitte. Yeah. Or, or they won't even play Moira. Or, or characters that have been around for a bit longer still. Sure. Because perhaps they still don't quite know the best way to play him or the best way to fit him into a, a team composition. But I, and I wonder with this one, because it's we already have mechs. Yep. You know, we, we've got Bastion. We've got D.Va in her mech. We've got different kind of abilities. Yeah. It's a very cool-looking hero and a very weird hero. Yeah. Are we going to see it played a lot? I imagine we will at the very beginning. Yeah, definitely. as always. Yeah. But then I wonder, you know, you think about grappling hooks, you think about Widowmaker. Her grappling hook is a great ability for getting around the map quickly or getting to those higher positions to, to take up a, a point. But it's not necessarily the easiest to be great at. Sure. Like, we've spoken before about league players who can grapple into the air and then nail a headshot from distance. <laughs> But, you know, when I play Widow, I use it to either get to a high point yep. or to grapple on the ground and move faster from one point get to another. Get out of danger. Yeah. So it's the kind of thing where this character has a, has a grappling hook. It's a very effective thing. Will people be able to use it as well? Only time's going to tell, yeah. I guess. And it's we'll see an whether... offensive grappling hook. You yeah. know, I, I think when we, we think of some of the things that this implies, people trying to get onto a point or trying to move the payload, and out of nowhere, a hamster in a giant robotic mech comes swinging in just blaring Miley Cyrus down the comms, trying to just smash through that entire thing. That's going to be a lot of fun to see. You know, you think of a bastion on top of the payload and then a wrecking ball comes through and sends him flying off the edge of the payload. We think of boops or people pulling in other heroes, Roadhog pulling somebody out of the way. And again, just a wrecking ball coming from the side of the building. That's a lot of fun. And that's what makes Overwatch so weird and wonderful. I'm looking forward to that because it's going to be a lot of work and timing that's going to have to go into using that wrecking ball effectively. Oh, yeah. You know, imagine if you play uh, a Lucio now and you've got an environmental where you can use your, uh, your sound, not sound barrier, the, um, his alternative sort of... Yep. You can use that ability to push the hero off a cliff, for yeah. instance. Doing that as a wrecking ball yeah. might be a little bit trickier, <laughs> but I imagine far more satisfying. Absolutely. I think the control of, of this hero, particularly in that wrecking ball form, it's not an easy thing to control. It's definitely going to take practice and skill to do it. And that's one of the things that Overwatch is great at doing and the Blizzard team's great at doing is balancing things in a fair way by balancing them with skill. You don't, they don't nerf things and make them weak and useless. They make them something that requires skill and practice and timing. And that's one of the things that keeps it fun to play. It's yeah. not that you can't do it. It's that you have to be really good at doing it. Otherwise, it isn't going to work. So one of the things that I'm most excited for, I think, with, with Wrecking Ball, though, is his, is his new ultimate this from playing it on the PTR from seeing it beforehand these are the proximity mines that he releases for his ultimate and the idea of that sounded really really cool uh, it sounded amazing you know being able to deploy them directly on a point I think is maybe the most obvious kind of usage uh, just to literally deny that point from people but actually playing it on the PTR I've had some wonderful moments deploying those proximity mines that maybe I didn't expect um, one of those was on Volskaya as people were charging towards the point 
I managed to get just behind them, drop the proximity mines, and then as they started to retreat off the point, as we were turning the fight, they ran directly backwards into a whole series of proximity mines. And this is an incredibly fun thing. I don't think even a single time I dropped that ult, it wasn't at least a triple kill, um, if not more. It really does a lot of damage, either killing them or just weakening them enough that the rest of the team can swoop in and mop them up. Um, this has got to be one of my favorite favorite new ultimates. And I guess that makes it an ultimate which has that that double benefit of you, you can definitely get a kill with it, yep. as you've seen, but also you can seriously weaken an enemy team. Yeah. And if you are playing in a way where you're actually playing in a team, yep. and you are targeting people, you're calling out people to take out, you spread that damage across the whole opposing team, then you coordinate to pick out the individuals from there. Yeah. And that's going to be quite a useful kind of, uh, I guess, utility hero as Absolutely. well for that kind of situation. Yeah, as a team, you can own a choke point. You've been able to fire and pile in damage into chokes, you know, quite regularly. We'll talk more about that when we talk about poke later on. But if you can just own a choke, po uh, a choke point by covering it in mines that will explode and destroy the enemy, that's going to be really cool in terms of making them go a certain direction, whereas previously they might have tried to go through two different ways. So I haven't played as Wrecking Ball yet, much to my sadness. So when we're talking about this ultimate here, the mines that are released, how yeah. many are we talking? I think it's a grid of about 9 or 12. Nice. Might be more. Are they destructible, like Widow's Venom Mine? Uh, yes, yeah, you, you can, so you can shoot, shoot, them. shoot them. It takes a little bit. It's not, you know, a one-shot to get rid of them, yeah. but you can pretty easily do that. Okay. So I remember the enemy's Wrecking Ball released theirs. I was far enough back that I wasn't necessarily at that point going to be able to take people out, really. Um, you know, his turrets do quite a bit of damage, but they're not going to be sniping headshots from across the map. Yeah. But because I was far enough out, I focused on the mines rather than on other players and actually took about three or four mines. Um before being able to get into the fray and actually do something. Nice. You can tell I'm already working out how I can play this hero yeah. just with your experience. So how am I going to do this when I get into the game? Because I like playing tank heroes. Yeah. I'm definitely going to play a genetically engineered hamster in a, in a turret mech. Like Maniacal engineer. Just, yeah, from space. I am definitely going to play that hero. So speaking of being from space, the idea being this hero has come from Horizon Lunar Colony. So the home of Winston, my yep. one of my favorite heroes in the game yep. is Winston. So there's been talk of a, a rework for Horizon Lunar Colony for a little while to do with things like rearranging entrances and exits, yep. doors, and those kind of things. Is there any kind of news on timescales? Is there anything we know about it as of yet? Well, we know that it hit the PTR, I think, last month. I think about the 6th of June, maybe a little bit later. We'd, we'd heard about it for a little while. We knew it was coming, but then we kind of saw it hit the PTR. I think it was accidentally announced early. I think there was some leak or some bit of information that was dropped. Some of the best announcements are accidental. Absolutely. But we saw it hit the PTR, I think, early June, if I remember correctly. Now, my current theory is I'm guessing that this might launch with Hammond. Um, you know, we, The big things in terms of changing the flow of it it seems that they really wanted to rework Horizon Lunar Colony because it wasn't a fan favorite. It should be a fan favorite. Winston's backstory is phenomenal. It's one of the things that makes Overwatch this, this hopeful franchise that we've always known it to be. Um, it's a very optimistic outlook on the world at that time that it takes place. We have these experiments going on. We have uh, space stations and so on. We have this kind of stuff. Not far-flung science fiction of you know, capital cities on Mars, but stuff in space, science going on, research happening. So Horizon Lunar Colony should absolutely be a fan favorite map because it's part of what makes Overwatch as a world great. But it doesn't seem to be, and it doesn't seem to be because of the imbalance potentially between attack and defense. Defense seems to be quite strong at certain points, but then again, snowballing from attack seems to be quite strong at other points. 
And at first glance, that could sound like I'm saying it's quite balanced, but it really doesn't feel it. It doesn't feel necessarily very fun to play, even though you're in this really cool-looking environment. So I think one thing that they really wanted to achieve, and I think they said openly, is they wanted to make this more balanced and more fun, but also cosmetically they can probably add in quite a few references to Wrecking Ball and Hammond. Yeah. We've seen the bit where Winston was. We've seen the kind of his little home in there, his his space almost, his uh, not office, but his kind of uh, sleeping quarters. What if we had some little hamster balls running around? What if we had some extra stuff to do with Hammond? Because um, that origin story, that origin short story for Hammond is fantastic in terms of how it reveals this character that everybody thought was actually going to be a chimp. Everybody thought it was going to be a very different character. Yeah. I think that's right, because we were talking about obviously, map design, layout, that kind of thing. Uh, Horizon Lunar Colony is a fantastic looking map. Like, yep. There's some really cool stuff in it. The fact that you can go out onto the moon yeah. and you run around at you know reduced gravity and yep. there's no sound and all the rest of it. That's a really cool, again, a really cool touch that they didn't need to add. Nope. But they did. Yeah. And that's just, it, it makes that so cool. But you're right, it's not one of my favorites to play. Yeah. Um, because it is, I know, I, don't, I never, I don't generally have a good game on it. Sure. I think that it's, it's, it's a weird one because you're right, it's, the defense seems to have the edge, really, because all roads lead to that one big choke yeah. point, really. And then, yeah, it's just not its not far from A to B. I mean, I'm sure it's probably representative of the rest of the maps and the distance they put in yeah. there, but it doesn't feel too far back. I mean, when you're defending, you know, your spawn is right at point B. Yeah. You know, it's out the doors. Exactly. It's, it's not far at all. And again, I know that's similar on Hanamura. I know that's similar on other maps, but it just feels closer it feels on different on Lo- horizon, horizon lunar colony that does on any other map and it really is that feeling that you get it's not necessarily one clear reason it's lots of different things that make it not feel quite as great and i think that's what they realize it strikes me as being a really good not a first attempt that's that's not fair they've clearly put a lot of work into it but a really good starting point and i feel like this rework is their chance to go look you know we launched a bunch of maps with the game and have added a couple since this is our chance to really just go eh, we kind of need a do-over on this one we need to, yeah. to rebuild some bits not major things it's still going to look and feel like horizon lunar colony just a much better version of horizon lunar colony when it's done yeah and that's what they've shown themselves to be very good at is yeah. kind of going okay we're going to make some changes now yeah and whether they're changes that have been asked for or changes that they themselves have seen the necessity yeah. of i don't think any of them have worked out badly so far no. you know unless there's certain heroes that you play that have been nerfed over the time and yeah. you're a bit sad about that which i imagine could happen of course um, people hands on mains out there who love that scatter arrow that's gone and <laughs> don't get me wrong i think storm arrow is still pretty effective yep. uh from the number of times i've been you know headshotted with it but Shot still in the face um, yep. So speaking of maps, there's a lot of maps out there. There's a lot of maps to play. There's a lot of different styles of maps. Yeah. If you had to think about what your favorite and least favorite maps were, yeah. do you think you've got a couple? <sighs> it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, I've got to put Junkertown on there. I've got to put Junkertown on one of the ones that I like. Um, I'm not sure I'd use the word favorite, but one that I really, really like. And that may be my bias because it was new. It was new. Uh, when I was playing the game yeah. and it was very different and it has those kind of distinctive three acts you're outside coming from that shack you're entering Junkertown you're in the Junkertown as a city and then you're in the end point trying to get around that that dang corner that no one can get around it's so hard um, and you end up with some really tense moments really just trying to push it that last mile um, we've seen that in League as well when you put these amazing teams just hobbled by that last mile and you get these yeah. amazing tense moments so Junkertown's definitely up there for me um, you know, you mentioned Hanamura. I think Hanamura was either the first map I ever played or one of the first ones. 
and it's just iconic in my head. It just sticks out. And that kind of Sakura blossom tree in the middle, uh, that kind of main area, that first point and that wall. Um, so that definitely stands arcade. out. That's, that's Absolutely. very cool. Absolutely. You open to this and it's where you see that, that kind of side character in the world of Pachimari uh, and all these little details and stuff like that. The, the Hannah Song video game as well and the poster on the wall and all yeah. these little touches. It, it really, yeah, it, it's something special. And even when you go outside and it's still rich with that kind of restaurant and street vendor and the cars littered everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are probably two of them. How about yourself? I think... Sadly, when it comes to, to least favorite, I think I'd, I'd probably have to say Volskaya. Mm. And it's not... I, I think it's because of how open a lot of it feels Yeah, and the sight lines on it. And I feel that there are certain ways you can play that map and there's certain mm-hmm. ways that you just, you just can't really, yeah. or at least I have not found a way in my experience. But it's not... I don't think it's a... I don't think it's a bad map. No. I just know that I've never really found my way with it and I've never yeah. really... Uh, but able to to really achieve anything particular on that map. Yeah. Flip side of that, I'm a big fan of King's Row. Yes. And I think that's more because I I much prefer payload maps. Sure. Than, than other ones because I like the idea of a moving objective that keeps the game flowing. Yeah. I find that when you've got the static points to capture, it's just not as it's just not as as fun. I get yeah. again for my own for my own play yeah, style. For your style, yeah. It's just a bit too. If it's static and it's stayed, and you're trying to get to that one part, you get someone. You know, you get a, a character like a, a Bastion in his yep. uh, turret mode with a Reinhardt shield in front of him, or or, or a Torbjorn turret even even mm-hmm. more annoying. Yeah. And you just you just can't because you have to come that same way to that point. You can try other things, but generally you're going to come into that one way to get to that point, and they've just got it locked down in a way that you just can't there's just, just no entry i find that i find that frustrating in a way that makes the game a little bit less fun to play yeah because you just can't get around that sure. particular thing so for me yeah, i think payload maps junkertown is up there i do like junkertown yeah. a lot um but i think king's row is perhaps perhaps my favorite of them yeah um when it comes to control points i don't want to be harsh and say i don't like any of them because yeah. it's just as a play style i don't appreciate it but i do quite like hanamura yes you know i do quite like Hanamura because it is it is one of those maps that is very rich in detail. It's got a couple cool ways that you can play it, but generally it always comes down to that doorway on point B, yeah. and it gets a bit of a meat grinder. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, give, give me a payload anytime. I think for me, in terms of least favorites then, um, it's not, I don't think I have a least favorite map. And I know that doesn't make sense, because one of them must be the least favorite, but I think it's more the in-control points, or in the... Um, you know, in those kind of multiple round kind of control points. Yeah. Out of the three maps that you can get on Nepal or on Ilios or on Oasis, there's one of the three in each of them that I don't like. In Ilios, I love the one in the middle with that central kind of hole, essentially, that people can get booped into. Oh, yeah. I love the one in Ilios where it's the village and there's almost by the seafront that you can boot people off. There's that little structure that you fight over there. But then on Ilios, there's those kind of ruins with that big central pit, and I either have I have polarizing games. I either have a great game on that map, or I have a really, really just annoying, horrible game where no one seems to work as a team, and the enemy just wipes the floor with you. And I know that can happen on any map, but that map sticks out for me. Probably actually the least favorite, the one that really sticks out, is on Nepal, though. Yeah. On Nepal, it's the map where the uh, Yeti hunt takes place with that central structure um, in that kind of village, and it's all snowy that central structure fighting over that 
just infuriates me sometimes. Um, I see that. It, I feel, again, it's very polarizing. You have great games or you have a terrible game. I don't feel like there's much balance in there. Yeah. You're saying that about balance stuff. I, I think I have to probably revive... I don't know. False Guy is sadly still my least favorite, but I think second favorite is Temple of Anubis. Mm. Temple of Anubis. I, I, I just don't really like it. Interesting. You know I mean? Interesting. Like, I don't know what it is. I just don't really enjoy that map. Huh. I think it has some of the best music. Yep. And anyone who's listened to the Overwatch uh, sort of um, complete soundtrack, yeah. there's some incredible music that goes with this game, which we've not really touched on before. No, no, it's all. Maybe astounding. future episode, yeah. But the Temple of Anubis like track on the soundtrack is astounding. I love yeah. it. But I don't like the map. I don't like it. I know what you mean about the music. It really, really, really is phenomenal. I think Temple of Anubis, for me, I'm trying to unpick what I play versus what I watch in Overwatch League. I feel like Temple of Anubis for me, Anubis for me, really, really stands out as an Overwatch League map. I like watching it. I like the different places that they can set up. You know, from that point A on defense, you can set up on that foreground, maybe with an Arisa shield and fire into that first choke. Or people often set up on the high ground a bit further back, and then you get these just amazing widow jewels that start happening. Um, The combat often then falls to that kind of structure on the left of that first point. But it feels more like a an Overwatch League map that is a nice showcase for some strategies. When I play it, yeah, I, I probably agree with you that that kind of goes to pot. You're right. You're right. I'm being. I'm perhaps I'm being too harsh because I do enjoy watching it played mm. by those who can play it well. Yeah. I just. Yeah. yeah I myself. Eh, not yeah, quite I, I, so I think much. That's I, I sympathize with that for sure. Now that we're on to the idea of competitive play and higher level competitive yeah. play, I think it's a good time to talk about the Overwatch World Cup. Yes. Something which I should have known about before. I shouldn't have gone from League to World Cup. I should have come the other way yeah. around. But now I know about the World Cup. I mean, bearing in mind we are right in the height of football World Cup yeah. series. Um, I'm much, much more looking forward to the Overwatch World Cup yeah. instead. The Nerds World Cup. The true World Cup. Yeah, exactly. I think exactly. I think that one of the things that I'm, I'm most excited about seeing yeah. are seeing some of these players that I'm already familiar with okay. from, from the big teams playing with their national team yeah. instead of playing with their league team yeah. and seeing what kind of differences. Because we've, we've spoken before about the advantages that teams get from being, uh, for instance, uh, the XL, all being Korean-speaking players. Yes, yeah. they, They've got an inbuilt advantage because they're all speaking the same first language. Communication is going to be so much easier. But the idea of leveling that playing field so yeah. that every team are potentially going to be speaking in their own first national language yeah. means that you're going to you're going to remove that kind of advantage that they have. And I'm players that you see players like um, from the Florida Mayhem. A lot of those players are in the Scandinavian countries. They're going to play with their national teams, and they're a team that again have got great players that are great at the game, but didn't really have any success or yeah. much success in the the league season. How different is that going to be when they're playing sure. with their respective countries, I wonder? Massively. Mm. And then alternatively, seeing countries like Korea, yeah. who have a huge number of massively talented players, well, they can't have all of them. Exactly. So who are who we going to see there? You know, who yeah. are we going to see from the, the top of the pack? You know, you've got players like uh, Bird Ring, like Sabiolbi, yeah. like Carpe, these players who are astounding uh, players, but you can't have all of them. Yeah. So, so what's going to happen then? Yeah, you can't field a team of thirty players as much as you'd like. Yeah, but exactly. You can only pick six. Um, I think for me, this is again something that's really going to push Overwatch League forward. Um, I know we're talking about World Cup right now, but that's going to push Overwatch as a, as, a, as a sport forward. Essentially, you know, you think of the big American sports of baseball, or basketball, of NFL. 
and they don't really have World Cups or World Series. They have the World Series in baseball, but it's basically just America and Japan. And as much as I love Japan, two countries isn't a World Cup. It's two That's countries. True. That's true. This is something that, that football or soccer is the, is the only thing that really seems to have that as such, as a, as a World Cup. Yeah. You have yeah, tournaments yeah. in tennis and so on, but I can only really think of, of UK football, of, of soccer, as being something that has a proper World Cup with lots yeah. of teams. The only sport that spans the whole globe exactly, in that way. Yeah. yeah. And because of the beauty of esports, because of this modern world, this is something that is able to have a true World Cup. Italy has a team. Italy is not a team that I have ever thought of in terms of the context of esports. But they have a team that's playing. Nor have I, really. You have Sweden and Denmark. And esports is big in Scandinavia, but we're seeing two separate teams from Scandinavia, not one, not a Scandinavian team. So I think that's what, what I love the fact of is I think this is going to be so important to get people to watch the league is to have teams that they can have some national pride in in that way. I'm not somebody that follows football at the moment. It is kind of... Um, hellish is maybe a strong word, but seeing <laughs> all of the World Cup stuff going on is not something that I can really get behind or get yeah. interested in as much as I've tried over the years it's not something that interests me I can, I can fake really it get pretty behind well it. I can fake it pretty well as but... a survival tactic oh, yeah. absolutely oh, yeah. but in terms of actual enthusiasm myself it's just not something I can do but I think that national spirit and that pride behind it in a very positive way not in the way that we often see national pride going but in a very very positive way particularly these times um, it is something wonderful to see but it's interesting that you say that you want to see more of the um, the the existing Overwatch League players because what I'm really going to be watching Overwatch League for is the non-Overwatch League players Denmark has one Overwatch League player on their team it looks like a fantastic team uh, Denmark seems like a, a great a great team going forward but they only really have Kallax they only have one Overwatch League player so what I'm interested in as we talked about this in a previous episode is the expansion teams yeah. I want to see more of these players from Scandinavia I want to see the Italian team I reckon they have some great talent even though I've never thought of them esports I'm optimistic for yeah. what they're going to showcase but this is, I think, where we're going to see interesting different play styles and unique kind of characters really coming out that we just don't have in Overwatch League yet because we don't have those expansion teams. Yeah. I think that we've mentioned before the number of different nationalities that some of these teams have. You know, I've seen, we've seen French players, Spanish players, yeah. uh, players based in the UK, Russian, American, all over the place. Yeah. So it's going to be quite cool to see the other players from there. Because, like, for instance, I can think of. Uh, one French player, and that's Poco yeah. from the Fusion. So they're, they're clearly, if there's a French team in the World Cup, there's clearly at least five other phenomenal <laughs> French Overwatch players yeah. that we're not necessarily seeing on teams. Absolutely. And I want to see. I want to see those players. Yeah. I want to see, but I want to see that how they work with these players that we know. Yeah. Because you know that you get some of these players together, and of course, I mean, we've not even touched on the um, the kind of the Overwatch League All Star game as well, yeah. which is going to be quite something. But you get these players together, and it is about that cohesion. It's how they gel. Yeah. Are they going to have a lot of time to practice together? You know, some of these players have, are, are in the, the playoffs sure. for the league, which is going to run right up until about the time that the World Cup's going to start. Yeah. Are they going to have had a lot of time to get with that team, build a rapport, build some kind of uh, team structure and unity yeah. before they've even got to play against other phenomenal Overwatch teams? Yeah. And I feel like this is one of the things that League has, has changed. Um, I watched some of the World Cup last year. So before Overwatch League started, I'd seen some of the World Cup. I thought, this seems really cool. Um, you know, I've not really started playing Overwatch yet, but the idea that this is a sport and it's an eSport and this whole exciting thing that would eventually become Overwatch League, this seems really, really amazing. So before I even knew there was going to be a League, I'd watched some of the World Cup. And I think for a lot of the players then and a lot of the people probably still now, it's very much a this person is very very good at this game but this isn't going to be a career for them 
this is something that they're going to do and they're going to enjoy it and it's a fun thing and it's uh, amazing to, to get to play for your country but in a sport that wasn't really a sport then it was something that was just starting so I imagine a lot of them will have then gone back to a day job will have gone back to working a regular a regular career in that way but I feel like the people coming through now for the World Cup teams are going to be hungry they're going to want to actually get themselves shown, showcase their talent and get onto an Overwatch League team, get onto that expansion team in a way that they couldn't have last year because it didn't exist. It wasn't a thing. So I think we're really going to see a showcase of talent in a way that wouldn't have been possible even a year ago. Yeah. And you're right. I think they'll have an incredible uh, impact on the expansion teams because if we do see, you know, for instance, a, a Spanish World Cup Overwatch team come out and perform extraordinarily well. Yeah. Then, then we've got a chance for a, for a Madrid or a Barcelona or Definitely. something like that. Or it could be the Russian team. I mean, they're doing very well in the football World Cup, yep. so I'm told. Um, so perhaps there is a Moscow team on the way or, <laughs> or a Paris team or anything else like that. Yeah. Um, or, or if there's that many Scandinavian players of that quality, yep. and there are quite a number of them, then perhaps we need a team in, in Norway or Sweden or Finland yep. or Denmark. Um, that would be an incredible addition to the, to I, the I, league. I really, really think we do. I think Scandinavia is a huge audience for esports. I think there's a lot of talent that's there in maybe more traditional games like Counter-Strike and so on. But I think if you field a Scandinavian team, I love Sweden. I was there a number of years ago. But uh, Sweden or even a Danish team, and you make it some kind of... If you put Vikings in a team name, Dave, I am there <laughs> for that team. If you make them some kind of Swedish or Danish Vikings as a team, I appreciate that stereotypical. But if they walk out onto that LA stage dressed as Vikings and then proceed to play Overwatch, I am there for that group of people. And you know they would. Oh, gosh, you know yes, they would. they would. And I would hope they would all... They would, at least one would use the Torbjorn with the oh, Viking you, helmet it, it, skin, right? It writes itself. Yes, it writes definitely. itself. So that's something we're looking forward to. I think that that's going to be... Uh, now that I've uh, had the experience of watching the Overwatch League, yep. I'm definitely going to tune in for World Cup games because I, I want to see that level some more. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely. be up at 3 a.m. watching these. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm really hoping there's going to be some more in a more reasonable time I'm setting. I'm hoping for but... t- uh, Twitch streams. Now they've got this entire infrastructure for the League, the fact yeah. that you can go on the next day. I'm hoping in the app, to be honest, just in the Overwatch League app, it would yeah. make sense to have a World Cup tab while that's going on. Yeah. Uh, but even just a Twitch stream or something, being able to catch that the next morning, that's, yeah. that's what I want. Yeah. If you're out there, if you're out listening to this blizzard, let's have an Overwatch World Cup app yep. made to the same quality as the League app. Thank you. That'd be yep. great. Absolutely. Ooh, and a Canada expansion team. I bet for that. Um, I am not Canadian. I just wish I was. So I mean, don't we all? Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about as well. They we wanted to talk about game terms yeah. while we're here as well. Uh, we've covered a few before. We've covered meta. We've covered the comp. We've covered those kind of things that yep. are out there in the world. There's another one we wanted to talk about today, and that was the term peeling yes which on its own sounds a little bit weird yeah there's no fruit involved with overwatch last time i checked exactly well unless you count winston and his banana oh yeah i so, guess uh, it was think about what that phrase means because you hear it a lot you hear it in the commentary you hear it when the casters are talking about the league games yeah you hear it in that professional term in that professional stage in the same way you would uh any sporting terminology yeah. but everyone says it like you know what it means so, from your understanding, from your experience, what do you take it to mean, Richard? Cool. So, my kind of experience, the way that I've always understood, or what I've understood peeling to mean, from when I kind of first read about it and first started reading about Overwatch, peeling is this idea of peeling away uh, enemy characters from other characters. So, like you're peeling away the, the you know, the, the, the skin around a fruit, like a banana, like Winston's banana, you're peeling the enemy away from your players. So, for example, if you have those kind of squishier targets, those Mercy, that kind of backline, uh, the, the supports, 
and you have a Genji coming in behind as somebody like Azaria, you might want to put a bubble on that Mercy and try and pull the Genji away from them, get rid of them. You might want to, if you are Lucio, potentially protect your fellow support by pushing them away using Shockwave. You might want to do something that's going to get rid of them from that area. That can be outright killing them. That could be protecting your fellow support or your fellow teammate. Or it could be pulling them in a different direction. It could be Roadhog grappling hooking them away. It could be anything that gets them out of that way. Now, Diva we know is quite good for this because she can get there quickly. She's highly mobile and she can push them out of the way or just use the damage to outright kill them. Zarya, I said before, by protecting Mercy or even somebody like a Roadhog. But there's a lot of different ways of doing it. But that's my understanding. It's pulling people away. I suppose your benefits there are, number one, you protect your supports. Yep. And everyone knows if you keep your supports alive, you're going to win fights. Yeah. You take that attacker away and potentially take one off their team. And you've got a six versus five, yep. and you've got the chance there. Uh, and those are the kind of things that will allow you to kind of build up uh, and then snowball. And you mentioned Zarya. Zarya's a great idea because if yeah. you, you put a bubble on that Mercy, Genji's throwing shurikens at that Mercy, you're charging up your ability, your powers, and you yeah. just blast through You're doing no more problem. damage, absolutely. And then suddenly you can turn all of that collected charge on the opposing team. Yep. And suddenly their attack on your supports has turned into your incredible destruction of their team instead exactly exactly you're kind of taking their energy and using it against them in that way and you know uh peeling is uh, something that maybe we yeah we, we hear using overwatch league i don't necessarily think we see it as much uh just in regular play or in quick play um just because i don't think people are as cohesive as teams mm. on there obviously it's a lot more casual there but it is something that can combat dive in a lot of ways yeah if they're diving onto a target peeling them away from that target or trying to that's really your only hope of not having all of your supports killed by a dive comp you kind of need to peel them away and get rid of them a little bit definitely and you've touched on that i think this is the kind of thing you can only really achieve with good communication yes so it's the kind of thing where if you are a quick play player who doesn't play with a headset as i I often do there's no way i'm going to be able to properly coordinate with my team to make that happen sure i can i might try it on my own yeah but my team's not going to know I'm doing that and therefore my rate of success will probably be very slim. Exactly. And I think that's where we mentioned the accolade system that came in, uh, the endorsement system, sorry, yeah. that came in uh, when we talked about it last week. This is something where if you have those great communications, you can pull off these more kind of advanced tactics. Definitely. And then if you do it well, you're going to get endorsements from other players for doing that well. Absolutely. It's a great, it's a great um, kind of encouragement to use comms and to be involved with your yeah. team and make it a, a team event because it's supposed to be, you know, you can't play that game with less than six versus six. Yeah. So if you can't do that, it's telling you, you have to be a team player to some degree. Definitely. And I think it's great if we get every, encourage everyone to be more of a team player. Yeah, Definitely. if you've got those comms, that's something that you can actually put together and try and pull off. Otherwise, you're just relying on you or a teammate being a really, really good tank. Um, and that is a much, much, much higher bar than you can expect to find just in a, a regular match with no headsets. Yeah. Cool. So that's about the end for this episode. Uh, in the meantime, until our next one, if you do want to reach out to us, if you've got any questions for us, any comments on things you've heard us talk about so far. Future uh, topics. Future topics. If you want to call us out as noobs, whatever <laughs> you want to do, you can find us out on Twitter, Heroes Needed Pod. Uh, I'll also be on Xbox Live as Olsen Prime. You can get me there too. Join up. Let's go uh, take names together. Uh, <laughs> but until then, I've been Dave. And I'm Richard. And we'll see you later.
The world could always use more heroes.